What's up, everybody? It's Soccer Chat, your favorite coaching podcast. We've got some great friends that help us out over at Dutick Brand. Check them out, dutickbrand.com for all your coaching accessory needs. Make sure to use the promo code Soccer Chat at checkout to get yourself a sweet discount when you're getting all your needs that you need for coaching. Just like the Trainer DLX, it's my favorite thing. Shout out to Dave McIver, one longtime listener, first time, long time, uh, who uh, is over at King's Hammer, and they gave out the Dutick Brand Trainer DLXs at the uh, Blue Chip Showcase in Cincinnati a couple weekends ago. I got mine. I used it. And I absolutely loved it. Uh, so make sure when you're over at Dutick Brand, go check it out. Make sure to use the promo code Soccer Chat at the checkout and get yourself a sweet discount. Shout out to our friends over at Torrex, T-O-R-R-X.com. Make sure to get yourself the world grace ball pump. You know, I've been coaching six-year-olds lately. And the one thing I've noticed is that those balls do not stay inflated. And the girls have loved it when I've used it on theirs. And they tell me it's like a little robot that pushes air out, which after I thought about it, that's kind of true. It is kind of like a little robot that pushes air out. You can get yours over at T-O-R-R-X.com. Make sure when you give them a rating and review on Amazon, let them know that the boys of soccer chat sent you. And also shout out to our good friends over at Michigan Soccer Central. Find them out on Twitter at MI Soccer Central. They are so good to us. They're constantly sharing stuff that we we put out and they have everything that you need to know about the soccer scene in Michigan, whether it's professionally or amateurly, you can get it over at MI Soccer Central. Man, you know, it's not just Sean and Nick who are here, but ladies and gentlemen, you have two fully vaccinated co-hosts of this podcast. So if doc, if what I just heard a while ago from Dr. Fauci, and he said this verbatim with the new CDC, CDC guidelines right now, we are fully vaccinated and you're fully vaccinated. We could play a pickup game of basketball right now. Yeah. No, I mean, honestly, one -on -one, like, or you could play me one-on-one -on -one, or you could be like, Hey, I got a partner. I'm going to play both of you. I mean, honestly, like me and Sean will take you. Like if you, if you find it, if you got a partner, we'll, we'll, we'll do that too. Who, Even though Sean is shorter than I actually initially anticipated, so I might have to be the big guy in this scenario. You will, you will be the big guy in the scenario, but I will also uh, be the dominator in this game. Um, I, I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of like uh, Russell Westbrook's little press conference there, Dave. Like people aren't noticing how good of a player he is, but he's just going to keep on doing it anyways. Um, but uh, I, I think that we need. To, I, I've said this before on the show a couple times. We've got to find a way to shoot some hoops uh, before your wedding. I completely agree. It's like, I, I imagine there's got to be, there's, I mean, it's a freaking end of May wedding. Like it's going to be beautiful outside. We can find some hoops. Is it going to be cold? No, it's May 29th. Like, I feel like we got, we're going to have all the good juju for the wedding. Okay. So like, is khaki shorts, like golf shorts, khakis? dress shorts to be honest like and kelly's gonna hate me for saying this but like half of her half of her family is like country folk like they might show up in friggin' overalls like we we don't know what i'm talking about <laughs> we don't know that. i did sit in our group text the other day of these like current pro wrestlers dressing up as 80s pro wrestlers slash bodybuilders and i'm like which one do i wear to next wedding and there's a part of it it's like i kind of want to do that but um, I'm, I'm kind of like, so I'm thinking of this new fashion. Uh, it's not new fashion, but like Pat McAfee's known for rocking a blazer coat with shorts. Like he always wears shorts and, uh, I, I feel the need, like I could do like a, I can do a dress shirt, but like I could wear like some golf shorts, uh, to, 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 to spice it up, but I'm still going to rock the Jordans as my shoes. Um, but like I, and, and I'm using your own quote from this show. Uh, always go with 
comfortable over professional. Believe me, if Kelly was not picking the clothes that I would wear at my wedding, I would be, the wardrobe would be vastly different for me if that was the case. <laughs> you would probably wear the exact same thing that you have on right now. Honestly, yes. Like, cause again, for me at the end of the day, all I care about is getting married. I don't care about any of the other details. Like all I want to happen on May 29th is me marrying Kelly. Anything else that happens is gravy. I, I loved her post the other day or your post about like freaking out about the wedding, making sure everything's right. <laughs> Before I could, I, I had in my head what I was going to respond with. And Kelly took the words right out of my mouth when she was like, what do you have to worry about? <laughs> And I just, I, I felt the need to pile it on and pop on there and be like, ah, like as in everything else with Nick's life, like as long as he knows where to show up at, because someone has to tell him where to show up at, that's all he's got to worry about. So she's, she took the words right out of my mouth. I was so, I was like, oh, like I was going to roast him, but no, she did it instead. She's a freaking savage, Kelly. She's ridiculous. <laughs> um, <laughs> man, like what a, a, a crazy time, you know, like we were both fully vaccinated. That, that's, yes. that's so crazy to think about. I know like when Casey got her second one done, it was like two days later, she was like, I am free. Oh, like, it's it. Honestly, like I joke with Kelly, like, so, like I got my second shot and I was like, I'm a freaking superhero. And she goes, well, like 14 days from now, you're a superhero. I was like, okay, nurse, like slow down. Right, yeah. Why, why do we got to get technical with this? Kelly? Yeah. All right. I'm, I like, like I'm a superhero. Like you, you just, you just recognize this for me. Right. Right. So that was the thing for me. Like I, I, I didn't know the 14 days thing. And when I got mine, so I got mine last Friday, uh, got done. Uh, Sandy was awesome. The nurse who gave me my shot and I drove straight up to the crossroad showcase up in Indianapolis, uh, technically Westfield. And the whole time I was so worried, like I'm going to have side effects. Like soon as I get there, like I'm going to be watching a game and all of a sudden I'm going to and I'm going to be like, not able to get back home. Um, now, thankfully, uh, while it's dumb in, in retrospect to think about, like I drove up Friday, came back Friday night for the kids' games on Saturday morning and then drove back up for the rest of the weekend. But a good friend of mine, Jim Watts, uh, who's over at Hanover college, I was yep. like, he goes, man, he goes, you know, it may actually be a good thing that you're going back home because if you get your side effects tonight, you'll be in your own house and you can just stay there. He's like, it's not going to be like you're being in a hotel room for three days. I was like, I, I, that's a really good thought. And for me, the only like side effect I had was I just felt like I had, um, I, I couldn't lift my arm up above my, my elbow or my armpit, which I realized driving back, trying to switch hands on the, on the steering wheel. Uh, but the only thing I felt like I had like a big hole that like somebody put a screw in my shoulder. That was about the only thing. Yeah, no, I mean, honestly, like I had, I like, I coached a lot of club that day. So I felt like I was a little fatigued, but other than that, I felt pretty good. Well, whenever uh, Sandy was giving me the list of things that I would more than likely feel as a side effect, I was like, so like, when does, when does these kick in? And she's like, oh, probably about eight hours from now. I was like, oh yeah, well, I'm on the road. Perfect. That'll, that'll be absolutely fantastic. Um, but thankfully nothing happened. Uh, you know, I, I think the best part for me was I was sick a couple of days before the shot. Um, as, as definitely heard, uh, in this interview that we've got today. Um, but man, like it, it is, like you said, like it, superhero, I guess is the right, is really the right word. Cause I don't know, like, I definitely felt differently after I got the second one. Like the first one, I was like, okay, I got my shot. Still got another one to go. But for whatever reason, like when I walked out of that hospital, like, I, I think you, I think you hit the nail on the head, like superhero. Like I felt like 
significantly better about myself or like more like, Hey, like I'm trying to, I'm protecting not just myself, but I'm trying to protect others as well. Uh, and so, yeah, I like your analogy feeling like a, like a, uh, a superhero. Yeah. We'll go with it. We'll go with That's it. We need, we need somebody to draw like character caricatures of us as superheroes and like our superhero, like shirt can just say like, we got fully vaccinated. Like that's our, that's a, that's our pro wrestling tag team name. Fully vaccinated. Fully vaccinated. I like it. Oh, I love it. That would be incredible. I like now my mind is going to be thinking of like what our promos would be like. We're fully vaccinated brother. And we're helping prevent diseases to you. <laughs> I mean, that's I, I've, I've heard worse. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, so I, I, you know, Nick, I, I, I was, I spoke about uh, my kids playing on Saturday morning, big day, the last couple weekends in the Starling house. Uh, Quinn's been on a, on a score streak recently. Uh, and young Duke has been on a tear, uh, scoring goals. Super surprising. Have you seen the videos? Uh, dude, he, he runs surprisingly, like- surprisingly for a guy who never goes fast at anything and, shows no athleticism no desire to compete this dude gets after it my favorite thing about watching little kid soccer because you're the only reference point i have right now is how they just bury the ball through the back of the goal like they'll get they'll like slowly dribble up and like their final touch is just like i'm gonna try to put this ball through the net and that that is duke to me yeah he he uh there's one uh so two weeks ago he had a hat trick and so he's had three games. It's the only games he's ever played in his life. I didn't get to see the first one because Quinn played at the same time and he scored a goal. And I heard it was just like he was close to the goal, kicked it, and went in. His first goal that he scored of the game that I went to, like the ball didn't just like barely get off the ground. Like he hit it towards like the top of the goal and buried it to where like even Casey turned around, who's coaching him, was like, Did you see that? And I was like, Yeah. Um, so like, yeah, I, I, that's something that like I need. Quinn's team of her six-year-old team, six and five-year-olds to, when they shoot the ball, to try to do the same thing, to try to hit it as hard as they can through the net. Um, we, uh, we, we like to hit it to where it gets like right by the line. And it's like, no, like keep going, finish it, finish it. Uh, but we had a girl who scored uh, last weekend who it was her first shot. She took in all of our games so far and hit it up. And like it, oh, it like almost hit the bottom of the crossbar to go in. And it just like perfectly hit the net, just in a spot where the girl goalkeeper wasn't going to get it. And uh, I was just like, "Hey, if you're going to shoot, that's the way to do it." And so now every time she shoots, she tries to get it straight up in the air uh, to try to go over the keeper's heads, and it's just it's it's cool to watch. Nice. I um, I did find myself. Uh, I, I do I do coach them differently, obviously, and my goalkeepers, my daughter included have a really hard time of understanding that they can pick the ball up. And even when it's like right there in front of them, they still like kind of stare at it. And I'm like, Hey, like pick it up, pick it up. And then they don't. And somebody just comes up and kicks it in the goal. Um, so while I joke about, uh, I say that we give up like 20 goals a game. It's, it's less than that. But what I've come to figure out is that our team's really good. It's just that we don't have goalkeeping. And if we had some type of goalkeeping, we probably wouldn't give up as many goals as we do. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like it's like, I, again, I will, you will get to experience my experience with all of this in about 
five years. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, it was, that was kind of my, my tactical analysis. Like, yeah, like we play really well, but man, like we just can't keep the ball. It's not like our defense doesn't work. It's just when the ball gets to our goalkeepers, they just kind of stand there. So, um, so yeah, coaching the little ones has, has been pretty fun. Um, you know, we got a, a great interview this week. Um, you know, we mentioned on soccer chat a few weeks ago about the North girl soccer team up in Des Moines, Iowa, uh, had their goals stolen. Wanted to get some new ones. These are kids that don't come from the, the greatest of places. Um, they also for themselves have to work to help provide for their families. And, uh, you know, we want to do our part in soccer chat. You know, they were close to their goal when we found out about it and we were able to get them over their goal and not just barely over their goal. We got to help them surpass the goal. Uh, and so hopefully uh, we get a, a cool little video here soon of these girls getting this amazing uh, these new amazing goals for their field. And I, we reached out cause we were like, okay, we got to figure out who this coach is. We got to talk to him. And I'm so happy that we did because I love the shows where Nick and I both don't know the coach and it allows us to get to know them more. Uh, but we now have uh, our, our, a new coach that we're big fans of. And I think soccer chat, the community uh, is big fans of the North uh, high school girls soccer team up in Des Moines, Iowa. And uh, you're going to be too, uh, after hearing this interview uh, with their coach, Lisa. about bringing coaches together it's about bringing this community and this network together and a few weeks ago on soccer chat uh, one of our good friends ginger brought up a uh, team who had some uh, uh, problems a couple weeks ago they had some goals stolen and uh, had such an awesome story that really captured my attention and i reached out to ginger was like who's the coach we got to talk to him and she introduced us to lisa grief and lisa i'm so happy that you're on with us and Ginger's spoke the world of you, of what you do. And now that Nick has done his research, he finds out that you're a baller. Uh, so we're super excited to, to learn more about you, the coach today. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm really excited to be here. No problem. No problem. So one of the things with soccer chat is to understand how you are the coach. Now we've got to know how you got to this point. So if you don't mind kind of taking everybody, uh, you know, through your soccer journey and how you got to this point where you're at now. Yeah. Um, so like everybody, I started when I was young, I played multiple sports, which I really believe in. Um, soccer ended up being one of my main ones. I played through high school. When I played in high school, we actually didn't have, it wasn't um, a full, re, fully realized sport in Iowa. I'm from Iowa. So it was like a club sport. Um, but I played club soccer as well. I was a goalkeeper from forward. Uh, decided to go play on in college. I went to division three in uh, Minnesota, College of St. Benedict. And, you know, went in there, had no idea what I was really doing. I said, I'm a goalkeeper. I'm a forward. I'm going to try out for both, see what happens. So basically first day I tried out for goalkeeper and my coach said, you're not trying out for anything else. This is it. I said, okay. All right. So um, ended up being goalkeeper four years at St. Ben's. 
uh, was a first team All-American goalkeeper. We went and played in nationals, got to the Sweet 16, all-region keeper. So just had a really amazing journey in college. And decided at that point, um, Wusa was just starting. A um, couple other, W League was around. And, you know, I was sort of this little lonely Division Three goalkeeper saying, I want to try to play. Um, I ended up playing in the W League for the Kansas City Mystics. And after that, just decided, you know, coaching is the next path I want to get on. So I spent time going to grad school, learning about sports psychology, and then um, working at a variety of different places from youth to college. So I've, I've seen it all, done it all, been around the best, been around beginners. Um, it's taken me across the world. Um, been to the women's world say, I've been around the worst too. No, I'm talking <laughs> about this specific podcast. Okay. Well, yeah. I, I, I've been to the last two women's world cups and I'd like to say it was because I was there that they won the USA won both of them. I've been to both finals. You So um, one thing you'll learn about the show is you can say stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> so so yeah, I was there. run with that. They won <laughs> yeah. because you were there. They won because I was sitting behind the goal. Um, yeah. So uh, soccer has been a huge part of my life and I find it a, a great place to meet people, a great way to give back and bring, I'm really about diversity, bringing cultures together. Um, and that experience has allowed me to do that. No, that's awesome. That's really cool. So I'm more curious, like, so I, where'd you go to high? Like, I know Iowa fairly well. Where'd you go to high school in Iowa? Uh, Roosevelt. Des Moines, Roosevelt, Iowa. Perfect. In Des Moines. Roosevelt. So, I think my assistant <laughs> yeah, Everyone knows there. that. I mean, yeah. Is what? Um, no, I actually, I coached high school in Iowa. Like I went to college in Iowa. Um, okay. So I like, I actually coached high school. I went to a school called Wallard high school um, for like three years when I was in college. So I know Iowa very well. So I, I know. So like going back to your journey to find St. Ben's, like what was it about like that pulled you to St. Ben's that like when you were going through your recruiting process? Yeah. So I was a basketball player and a soccer player. Those are kind of the two main sports I was going to for college. So it came down to two schools, St. Ben's and actually Lake Forest in Illinois, which is division three as well. I wanted to play multiple sports. That was important to me. Academics, studying abroad, campus feel. Um, And actually at the time, St. Ben's was going through a coaching change. So essentially I was not fully being recruited. It was more me going to the school and seeing it. One of my um, high school teammates had told me about it. Went up there, fell in love with school, decided to go and take a chance. And it was actually the perfect place for me. Um, And I ended up choosing it more because of the well-roundedness of the school rather than sports in general. No, that's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. That's okay. We're all, we're all about the D3 life. I I went, (laughs) I went division three. I've been coaching at division three for forever. So I, I'm all about, it. I went to Loris college, so not, not too dissimilar to places yep. that you probably know and things like that. Um, that's awesome. And so like through that experience, when you were at St. Ben's, I guess, like, did you, we are, we asked this question a lot. Did you know that you wanted to be a coach like in college or like, when did that start to foster a little bit? It did start to foster in college. I started doing some camps and when I was in high school, I was doing some camps and I loved that aspect of mentoring mentoring youth, mentoring, especially young women in sport. And you don't see a lot of women coaches. So I had mostly male coaches, um, you know, great coaches, but you didn't see a lot of women. So for me being an athlete and being a really strong athlete and knowing what it took to train at a high level and the leadership, um, I, you know, as a captain and other things. So I started 
feeling it on the other side of it um, and learning about that. I thought, you know, I could be pretty good at this. Um, so my college coach encouraged me to do it and brought me back. And I was assistant at St. Ben's to start. And then I came back to Des Moines and it was Grandview College at the time. So it was NAIA. So I was an assistant there and the goalkeeper coach and um, academic success coordinator, kind of, you know, when they pair all, pair all these jobs together to make a job, right? Um, and then decided I really enjoy working with athletes. Also, I enjoy the mental side of the game. So I went to grad school to focus on that. Um, and then ended up in New York City in, um, at Asphalt Green. And we're one of the, it's a nonprofit sports facility. And we had one of the only turf fields in the city. And they asked me to run the girls club, which there was two teams. They had a really flourishing boys club, the 10 teams. And they said, would you be the girls director? And I said, yes, absolutely. So I built that program up from two to 10 teams while I was there and just fell in love with it. That's awesome. That's really, really cool. And like, what about it in those early years made you feel like this is something that you really want to do for a career and something you want to do for a lot longer period of time? I love seeing untapped potential. So somebody that I work right now with a lot of girls that have never played before and don't even know that they could be really good. So I like seeing the progress that they make, the confidence that they build, um, how empowered they feel, how they can support teammates, how they can become leaders, how they can become champions off the field, on the field. Um, So that personal development side is really important for me. The soccer side is really important for me, the understanding And I think all the transferable skills you learn in the sport and that you can move on through college, you know, trade school, work, whatever you want. So that that's really rewarding for me. That's awesome. Like, and for you, where are um, like you, you like the school you're working at right now, where like do the kids mostly come from? Is like you said, I know you said you like really enjoy diversity and inclusion and things like that. Is it a pretty eclectic background that people come from at the school you work at? Yeah. So we're, we're in Des Moines, which, you know, Iowa is not super diverse, but we, we do have one of the most diverse schools that I'm working at, which is North high school. So most of my team is Latina young women and African young women and African-American. And they may have come here you know, early on in their life or more recently. So it's, it's a big mix and many of them have not played. So, you know, we're playing against schools that girls have been training since age five, four, three, two, I don't know. Um, but really young. And I had two weeks to prepare them for their first game. So it's, it's very interesting to do that. And, and part of that for me, what makes this really important to me is that opportunity and access um, within the communities. Cause there are clubs around, but again, Sometimes it's very expensive. Um, the girls I work with are expected to help out at home, expected to work, lots of different things. So it makes for challenging to do sports. And typically the boys are, are playing the sports or the brothers in the family. So they're stepping out and doing something different. So it's been cool to work with them. That's awesome. Um, and then uh, you took over the program, I think, was it 2017, 2016, somewhere in that range? I think I'm. Uh, man, you're dating me now. I think it was 2015 or 2016, like right before I, this is my sixth season aside from last year's COVID and we didn't really, we didn't run it, but yeah. No, that's awesome. And then like for you, what have been some of like the really fun experiences that you've 
gotten to have, I, I was able to read a few articles and things like that uh, about the team, but like, what are some of the really fun experiences you've had working with them? Yeah. So when I started the program had like 11 girls, um, no equipment, um, girls didn't have shin guards, cleats, all that stuff. So just being able to like the community has really come together. We make sure everyone has cleats, everyone has shin guards, socks, whatever they can play. I mean, that's a barrier. So girls weren't coming out because of that. Um, so seeing the numbers grow has been really key. We're up to 40. We have a JV and varsity program. Um, I mean, the first win we got, actually the first goal we got was like we won the national championship. I mean, girls were crying on the sidelines, screaming, running up and down. So in Iowa, you have a rule where you get 10 0 So when the yep. score is 10-0, game is over. So that was basically our program um, prior to this for a long, long time. 10-0, 10-0, 10-0, 10-0, 10-0. And that's really disheartening and really discouraging. So we were able to, you know, we had some unique players come in. I had a girl who graduated two years ago. She's playing college right now. Um, scored 90, almost 90 goals in three years, which is crazy. Um, she's unheard. It's unheard of. She's just that phenomenal. Um, and she's at Grandview right now. And that made a huge difference in our team. But then we just have new players come out. So the first goal was huge. Winning our first game, it's a tradition now to take a picture into the scoreboard. Um, you know, winning your first PK shootout. So all those experiences that teams like take for granted, really, um, this team does not. Um, not getting 10 0 So when like losing 9-0, huge victory. Like girls are, that's amazing. You know, we stayed in a, t- a really tough game. Um, and then I think that like some really important moments we've had girls go on to play college soccer. So community college, local colleges around Iowa, that's something that we've been doing. That's been really key. Um, Academic wise, raising that standard. And then just bringing girls together for experiences. So the traditional team dinners, you know, girls from other cultures, bringing in foods, things like that's been really fun. Um, Team bowling events. So things, things they haven't experienced, they never been on a team, most of them. So what does it mean to be on a team? I think that's a really interesting question at high school, if you've never been on a team. What have been some of the challenges with taking over a team that, like you said, was a little bit smaller numbers in the beginning and a lot of them haven't been on a team before. What are some of like maybe some unique challenges to a a group like that? And there might be other coaches around the country that are dealing with similar type experiences that maybe hearing from you and having that shared experience might help them out. But what have been some of the difficult experiences that you've had with that? Yeah, I think, as I mentioned, equipment. So I wanted to take away some bar- like barriers. So that was a challenge at the beginning because we just didn't have it. And now I have stock, you know, stockpile some shin guards and cleats. So we take that away. Um, I have girls that are working, girls that are taking care of family members, like I mentioned. And, you know, I come from an environment where you're like, you have to be there. This is everything you do. You commit to this. And I, I, as a coach, I've had to be a little bit more flexible. Otherwise, I lose girls. And my job at this school is to keep girls in the game. And so, I, you know, if I was at a college, it'd be different. But my, go- my job's right now to keep them in the game. So how do I do that but still compete and keep c- them competitive? So focusing on that. Um, so we have some flexibility if they have a work schedule, figure that out. I'm not doing training on the weekends. I really let them work on the weekends. Um, we were doing like games and tournaments and I would have you know, nobody, my first year girls weren't showing up because they had to work. Um, so just changing the schedule a little bit. Um, and then 
you know, I looked at our schedule. It was challenging. And I am, I'm one that I love challenges. So, but losing 10-0 every single game and ending the game a half hour early, at the end of the day, I'm trying to teach these girls how to play soccer. Um, So I had to look at our schedule and make some changes to find some more competitive games. And I'm not ashamed of it. Um, It's again, the goal is to keep the girls in the game, keep them learning. We have girls going on to college. So making it more adaptable, accessible for where we are at made the most sense to me. No, that's awesome. That That's, I mean, again, I think it's like, we all obviously have our unique challenges, but like, I think that's really cool to like, just hear from that perspective. Do you, have you find that as you've been there longer that you've had to, there's been less barriers because the groups that you've been able to bring through are able to almost help you mentor and coach that next group that's coming through, which makes less instruction on you and more instruction mm-hmm. as it's passed down as they go. Yeah. I think in any team environment, no matter whether they're new or not, like leadership is key, right? So if you're not training your leaders or if the leaders are struggling, um, it can really impact the team. So I've definitely had years where, you know, we had strong players, but not as strong of leaders. Um, this year I have really strong leaders and I'm really happy about it because they're helping. We have a really, because of COVID, I had girls not come out. Um, we had over 20 girls graduate over the last two years. So basically my team is mostly freshmen this year, um, freshmen and sophomore. And with a cup, I have five returners. So overall I'm starting more than half of varsity is, um, freshmen, which, you know, more than likely JV is probably the better place to start, but it's just, it is where I'm at right now. So those leaders are pulling them through in all these experiences. I mean, we lost 10-0 the other night, last, actually last night. And it's like, I'm already forgetting when it happened. Last night we lost 10-0, but we hung in the game till 15 minutes. This is a really good team, one of the top teams in the state. And the leaders stay positive. They were helping carry, you know, pick people back up, helping get organized. Um, and you just need those kinds of players on your team. And that's made a huge difference to do that. And then I think in training, So training is, you know, you're trying to lay the foundation for the game, your expectations. If your leaders aren't living up to that in training, it, it may not match in the game. So making sure that they're modeling the way in training, getting everybody on board for what's happening for the day, um, keeping everybody positive and going, it it makes a huge difference. You mentioned too about like with the flexibility that you have with your group and, you know, not having games on the weekends or tournaments on the weekends because of work. How does that, like, how does that go about like during the school week to where if they are, you know, is it something where like you have to adjust training time on the fly? Like you know, maybe you originally had it scheduled for three o'clock, then you got to change it to six 30 or something like that. How does that, how does that flexibility work for you? Uh, you know, throughout the week with, with all their various schedules. Yeah. So you know, I wish there could be a time where everyone could be there all at once. And, you know, I have someone that works right now, Wednesday, Thursdays, and that's, you know, she's, she's helping out with her family, helping out other things, other girls doing that. So I'm not changing the schedule. It's we, we're set every day. The games are set. So it's more like as a coach, kind of evaluating your flexibility. How much are you going to allow versus not? Like if they're missing because of work, can they still play? Which team would you put them on? JV, varsity. Um, Those kinds of questions I have to ask myself and our staff asks ourselves. 
what are we willing to give um, to give a girl an opportunity that otherwise would not have one because she's not playing clubs, she's not doing other things in her community. So that's what we really, really look at. And it's definitely a challenge because you need people, you know, you're teaching every day, you're educating every day. So if you're missing essentially a lesson plan or the training session for the day, and it's about what's happening in the game, they're missing out on that. So we're, we're, we do have to catch up people a lot. I do repeat trainings because I found if I do one thing and then I don't do it again, somebody has missed it. So I really try to add that into my, that's more of a newer thing. Um, from being at North, I'm trying to repeat some cycles of things I do, even the same drill or exercise training session, I'll do again, just so they see it again. And I'm making sure I'm covering all my bases. I keep getting floored because you coach at North high school and your colors and your logo that's on your shirt are the exact same as the North high school. That's like five minutes from my house. And it keeps blowing my mind. <laughs> that's crazy. Like it, it's insane. It's absolutely insane. Of course, anybody who's listening to this, they can't see the, what you're Yeah, wearing. green, green, so it green, means nothing. green and white. It means nothing to anybody listening. We're right actually now. green and pink, um, but I'm not wearing it pink tonight. So sorry. There you go. There you go. So, like with your, you know, you mentioned about doing repeat sessions. And that that was kind of my my next question was for those who miss, how do you get them the game plan? Or is it something where um, you know, like I said, you you mentioned uh, you know, doing the same session, you know, over again. You know, is it something where maybe if they're, if you guys are talking, you know, something that you've seen another team do, like, you know, are you, are you handing off some type of note? Like, Hey, here's what we're covering tonight. You know, just kind of look over what you can, you know, and then, and then be, you know, be ready for the game tomorrow. What's that with that flexibility? What's that like almost like a day before a game where, you know, a player is not going to be there that they're going to be playing in the next day. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely challenging. I'm looking to act some other solutions. I've thought about video. Um, I've thought about other things. And we have girls that speak multiple languages, different languages. So that's a whole other layer adding in. Um, so I have some players translating for me because I don't speak Spanish or I don't speak their African language. Um, so that is a whole nother layer. So we are doing a lot on the fly. We do a lot of diagramming. So we've got a whiteboard sort of at, out at our complex in our locker room trying to visualize it as much as possible. I have found that visually like visualizing what's happening as much as possible, demoing as much as possible. And then the translating languages, if I need to do that, making sure they're understanding me. Um, and then, you know, you have the mask on too, which is a whole other layer of challenge this year. I have found, I think, cause you know, you're not seeing expressions, you're not seeing other things. And from myself. So I'm trying to figure that out as a coach, how I do that. Um, but I think video will help. We've just started high school huddle. I know everybody, you know, everybody knows huddle or it, it's a, what a lot of high schools were required to use here. So we're uploading video. We've just added like a program where we can put, you know, goals together, de defensive plays together, things like that. So we're going to be starting to use that as we move into the rest of the season. Um, which hopefully will help, but it's a lot of teaching on the fly. It's, it's more than I want, but that, it's just, it is what it is. So that's how we do it. And I have uh, two other assistants. So we're making sure we pull people um, aside. We do a lot of one-on-one -on -one talking, especially in the games as well, to make sure they understand. What's almost kind of like the, um, what was kind of the, cause you mentioned you had a player come in, score 90 goals over three years. <laughs> what was almost like the 
almost like that point where all that work that you did when you first got there, it started to show a little bit. Cause obviously that first year, you know, having two weeks before their first game, trying to teach them the game of soccer, it's going to take a while before things kind of start clicking. So like, what was that moment where you started seeing uh, the team kind of, uh, you know, taking up what they had been learning? Yeah, I think, so we talk about competing. Are we going to compete in this game? And when other teams started noticing that, um, you know, we're holding teams to less goals. That was, that was a bigger thing thing for me like can it be 5-0 even if we don't score a goal versus 10-0 um when we started scoring people were taking notice when we started winning people are taking notice and we're not a team you know I won coach of the year for losing <laughs> I mean that's crazy I was like <laughs> I don't know seven and ten or something like I didn't have a winning record that was like Iowa coach of the year in 2017 but we had made huge strides like it, there, we had come so far people were taking notice of that um, and it wasn't about winning. It was about competing. Like, are we competitive? And I think that, and then the growing, the growth of the program. So before it was like, you know, show up at a field, there wouldn't be just enough to feel the team. And now we're coming out fully uniform, fully, you know, ready to go proper equipment, proper training, like looking like a team, you know, going from 11 to now we're at 40 girls. So we don't have to cancel games because we didn't have enough, all of that. So it just, we just legitimized the program, gave girls that opportunity. Um, and, and, you know, this year we're kind of back in a cycle where I'm reteaching, restarting. That's, it's a whole new thing. Like we're not as strong, we're newer. Um, I'm teaching a lot of the basics again, what's a throw in, what's a corner kick, which your listeners are going to be like, you know, this is high school. This is true. These girls have not played ever. Um, so we have to go over those rules. Um, so we're in that space, but we just had a game. La- we did. We just had a game last night, which we lost 10-0, but they were shifting as a team, like moving up as a unit, like things that we've, it's been a month, but we were not doing at the beginning. They didn't understand that language. And we were finally doing it against a team that was passing it around, but we were able to do that as a group. We also had some attacking chances that moved us forward. Where we got five or six passes in a row. That was a win for us because we knew we were playing one of the best teams in the state. Um, and then we had some huge goalkeeper saves. So we made huge strides even when we're not winning. So I think there's things people take notice, um, that hopefully we can share. There's other ways for programs to win and compete rather than the scoreboard. Right. And almost, I, I'm intrigued because of, um, you know, anybody who's, who saw my fall, um, this past year with my group for the first time, you know, going on 11, but how many coaches, you know, either at the end of the game or after the game, sending me a text or an email, Hey, that team's doing stuff. We've never seen them do before. They're actually playing the game of soccer. They're building out of the back. They're doing all those various things for you. I mean, what's kind of been the communication from the, the surrounding coaches uh, of the schools that you play, you know, since you, since you've been there. Yeah. I mean, so I think, we have a lot of creative players. So I really try to let them be creative. I mean, I've seen a lot of prescribed movements and we have people from all over the world. So I, I just feel bring in your creativity and enjoy that. So they see the love of the game. I mean, the coaches tell us we have heart and determination and grit and we don't give up, which is very true. That's our culture. We do not give up. 
Um, as staff, we don't tolerate that. So no matter what the score is, we're going until the end. And I do have opposing coaches come up and say that. Um, you know, we had a ref two weeks ago and he emailed our AD and said the sportsmanship our girls displayed was top notch, even though we were losing. Um, so those are things we pride ourselves on because I, I really think those are life lessons beyond this um, game. And as they move through, they're in high school. So as they move through their life, they can't let things get them down. They need to bounce back, be resilient. If they're in a challenging spot, they need to learn to ask for help, rely on their teammates, get that support. So we're there for all those moments with them. And that's what we hear. Um, and then, you know, we do have players um, that do get all, all conference that go on to college. Um, so we do have those moments and that wasn't happening before, which I think is really cool. Like to, to say a team that was losing 10 10 10 to now having girls go on to college, to having college coaches reach out to me, to know that we can produce those kinds of players as well um, within a system that isn't designed to always win. Um, I think gives a lot of hope and opportunity for a lot of programs out there. Like you can build something from scratch and be, be really important in your community. You know, being there, you know, six, six years or so, you know, what's something if you could go back to that very first day and talk to Lisa on the very first day, what would you tell her? <laughs> oh, uh, that is like an amazing question. Um, what would I say? Cause obviously you, you've been through a lot with this group and, and, and grown as a coach and whatnot, but there's gotta be something that you've learned along the way that if you could go back and tell Lisa on day one, Hey, you're just going to, you just need to know this to get yourself to where you're going to be at in six years. You know, what, what do you think that would be? I think it's patience. I mean, I am ready to like dive in and change and, but then I was inserting myself into a community that was already there. I'm, you could say I'm an outsider cause I'm not, I'm not a North teacher. I'm not, um, you know, I'm from Des Moines. Um, so I really had to learn kind of what was happening in the school and the surroundings with the girls and their families. Then I had to figure out a way to get girls excited and wanting to join something and be a part of something. And that takes a lot of time and trust building that. And I'm really competitive. I want to win. So I want to do it like yesterday. Um, so I had opened my mind to kind of like, what else can we be doing here? And and that's, that's a hard thing to do to take all those losses, but I, I, you know, took it in stride. We have, we've had really good staff, um, really good support from the school. So patience is key. And then I just, I mean, I've just fallen in love with the group. Like, it's just an amazing group of people, the diversity of thought, the diversity of experience, you know, I coach club in different areas. And I, I just really enjoy coaching these girls. Like it's my, it's my favorite thing. So patience and love of the game and stick with it. Even when it's hard, cause it's very challenging. It, emotional energy in this um, coaching is a lot. Like I've coached college, I've coached youth club but with a program where you're helping with rides, you know, your coach is dropping them off, picking them up. I had to pick up a girl the other day. Cause she never ride to the game getting extra thing, you know, donations, fundraising, all that extra stuff. Um, I didn't know my, it's a lot of time, but it's worth it in the end to see where they are now. For you as a, as a coach, who's not a teacher in a school or somebody that's, that's in the building, 
and there's a lot of high school coaches who are like that. They're not teachers. And, you know, they've either they played or, you know, they're a coach at that school because then nobody else would do it. How did you find yourself getting to know the community of the players, getting to know their families? You know, what were the things that you had to do being that outsider to, to kind of get on the inside? Yeah. I mean, before COVID, so we started, um, a couple new things. So what I call a girls movement program. So what I found when girls have never played sports before, the basics of movement, jumping, running, shuffling, all of that was not there. So we started a program at North, like open to anybody, not soccer specific, but come out and try moving. How do you move? How do you jump? How do you run? Let's have some fun. Is that like the Conor McGregor movement sessions <laughs> that he does all the time? I don't, I have, what does he do? I don't know. So it is, so he, <laughs> it was this, um, whenever he went on his like last tear in UFC, he said it was all because of a movement coach that he hired. And he was doing one of those, like the open training sessions, yeah. like the week of fights or whatever. <laughs> I'm not a big MMA guy, so I don't even know what the terminology is, but he was like out on the beach and he did the stuff where he was like, I can't even like do it standing up. <laughs> but he was like doing these like walking movements and yeah. like he fling like just his whole, no. like his entire <laughs> body is moving and he does it for like a good time. And it's like, he's got these like set, set things that you do. And like in the next fight like where he, the first one where he had been doing this movement coach, he like rocked the person's world because they couldn't touch him because he was moving so fast. And he was like, it's all about the movement. It's all about the movement. Yeah. And he, I, I think he's got a, um, if I'm correct, he's got a, a training program now. I think it's called like McGregor fast or something like that. And like, that's part of it is this like movement technique. So I was like, as soon as you yeah. said, you know, working no, on, I'm, movement, I'm, I'm, thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking of Conor McGregor <laughs> flinging his arms around and, and, and whatnot. Um, yeah. I'm gonna have to check that out. No, just like think about what are the movements we do in soccer, like running forward, backward, sideways, like turning, all those things. So jumping, um, so basic movements. So almost like phys ed, like just going back to basics. So we just opened up camps doing that. And so I got to meet a lot of girls just in that way. And then I'd introduce them to soccer and say, come try it. Um, I found futsal to be a huge thing as well. So we started doing a lot of futsal leagues in the winter and off season and girls really enjoyed it. 4v4, really simple, you know, dribble in, kick in small and basketball courts, fast, fun. And that got a lot of girls really interested and involved. Um, and then I started doing conditioning. So I was just, I was there at different points in the year, um, which made a huge difference and getting to know me and then leaders talking about it. So captains of the program, building that leadership pipeline, them talking about it at school because I, I found girls word of mouth like I still have players come. I had two new players join last week because they're hearing about the team that didn't know about it before. So word of mouth is the biggest thing. The girls are the biggest advocates. So if we can share the story of our team and then they're sharing their experience, hopefully it's positive. They'll bring more girls. Girls bring girls. That's what I found. That's awesome. Like, one question like I have for you, because I feel like you have a unique experience where you've been at the college level, but now you're helping at the high school level as well. What do you think are things that when you look at reflecting your time as a college coach that high school coaches tend to overvalue that's not as important and also simultaneously high school coaches tend to undervalue that you would feel would promote kids in a better way to be ready for the college game? I think the adaptability 
of players at the high school level needs to be better. Like being able to play multiple positions, jumping in forward defense, midfield, rotating around. Cause I, I found so many college players that said I've played this my whole life. And then in college, they're either maybe not fast enough, not good enough. I don't know, but maybe they have a better or stronger in a different place and, but they've never played it. So I think that adaptability um, tactically and then mentally. So being able to respond to all the challenges, I think the growth between, you know, being a high school senior moving into college is a big transition um, for both women and men and just understanding the game, the speed of the game, the strength you need, being able academically to handle it, maybe being away from home. So those are things I think coaches can start working on and talking about, you know, more than soccer in high school. And I think it's important to do that. And then I think leadership. I found college teams sometimes struggle with leadership and I don't think we're building enough leaders at the high school level or spending enough time on it. And that's a huge passion of mine. So I think that's something that needs to be continued to work at the high school level that will help colleges in the future. No, that's awesome. Yeah. I do feel sometimes that you've players get pigeonholed into specific positions or specific things because they don't necessarily like, and then they get to our level. It's like, Oh, I can only play center mid or I can only play right back. And it's like, well, we got an all conference right back. That's only a year older than you right, right. now. Like, we got to figure something else out. And so, yeah, I do. I do think a lot of times we pigeonhole people into specific roles and don't allow them enough development in as a full soccer player going forward. For yeah. And a- then I, no, I go for just, it. Sorry. I was just gonna say, you know, on the opposite side of college. So just even thinking about my team at North, like no one would have said your girls are going to go play college soccer, but I've had a few open coaches, like coaches that are open to girls that have, a lot of potential, but maybe don't have a lot of experience. And so I think that as a college coach, like where are you looking for your players? Maybe there's some other places to look that you're not looking in the traditional avenues. You know, my girls aren't going to weekend tournaments. They're not playing club. Um, but we have some really sh- strong girls that could grow. I have a player right now that's a sophomore. I mean, I train goalkeepers. I will tell you what, I'm going to start training her right now and she's going to be one of the best college goalkeepers, but she's never played, but I have seen her train or play. I I just threw in her JV game and she did amazing. And I know she has potential, but she's not going to be seen on the radar. Right. So it's somebody advocating for that person, someone trying reaching out. So I would encourage college coaches to start looking into some different places or even reaching out to high school coaches to see if there's, you know, diamonds in the rough players that aren't playing elsewhere that maybe have potential and opportunity um, that could open up for them. For sure. I mean, honestly, one of the most skillful, best players I ever coached at the last school I was at, like never played club soccer. She was a first generation uh, Hispanic girl from Mexico that, that her parents didn't have the money at the time to play club soccer. And so she played in men's leagues all the time. And she kind of developed this like swagger about her because all she was doing was playing against dudes that tried to meg her the entire time. And like, she, (laughs) she like, she learned really quick how to like do that to them too. And so like when she got to our school, like she started as a, she started every year. She started all four years as a center mid because she had this unique skill set that wasn't 
taught or fostered at the club level. It was developed by playing in the streets all the time growing up. And, and, and you're 100% right. There's definitely diamonds in the rough out there that need to get looks from like different colleges and different levels. Do you like for you, do you feel like, especially with the school you're looking, do a lot of kids want to play college soccer? I wouldn't say it's the first thing on their radar. Um, as a coach, I make it a priority to talk about it. And I don't say that college is, you don't, you need to end up at college that they have lots of choices, lots of decisions to make. Um, but I will say the ones that were going when I, you know, I brought a player in to talk about like, what's it like to play college soccer. And some came up to me and said, Oh, I never thought that was an option. I'm interested. So then when I hear that, or maybe I see a player that has that potential, I will, I will help them and we'll set aside time. There's a lot of really good local schools in Iowa that are not far from us where I can get a college coach to come out and watch them play, or at least talk to them, or maybe they do a camp I can get them to. Um, so just starting that process for them, I think it's really just saying, guess what? There is a, there is a potential opportunity. If you work hard, put some time in, you love the sport, enjoy it. Let's see what we can do. Um, but most of the girls I coach have no idea that that's even an option. One of the things that we wanted to kind of, um, in notes on it and kind of bring some awareness on you had a fundraiser. I think, I think the, is the <laughs> fundraiser still going? I think we just ended, but I always take donations. So okay, well, perfect, if anyone perfect. feels like that, they can. <laughs> well, perfect. Absolutely. So let's, let's kind of talk about the fundraiser that you guys just did. Cause that's where we, we learned of, of you and your team. Um, there, I guess there was an incident and some goals got taken and you guys need some new goals. <laughs> yeah. It's, an incident is a understatement. So I walk out to the practice field. It's like afternoon. We train at three 45. I go out at three 30. Our field is right next to the stadium. And I'm looking around, like we have two full size goals. That's all we have on our field. We don't have other, we don't have other goals. That's it. Um, they were gone. And I'm like, you know, did somebody move them off to the side to mow, to line the field? I'm walking around. No, basically they took, um, they left the top bar and the net and then they took the sides. They took the rest. So no goals, no idea who did it. And so unfortunately, everything but the crossbar, everything but the crossbar. I have no <laughs> idea. It's, it's the strangest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, the girls are devastated and, you know, um, it was the beginning of our season and, you know, we didn't have any place to shoot place, you know, place to train, whatever. We had a place to train, but no place to shoot things like that. So I had wanted to do a fundraiser and, you know, goals, full size goals are, that's not in really our budget. Yeah. They aren't cheap. Um, so I just put the word out. I just said, you know what? I tell this to the girls all the time, like ask for help if you need it. And I just said, I'm going to put this out to the universe. I'm going to ask for help. These girls deserve to have goals. They deserve to have the equipment that they need to play. My biggest thing is leveling the playing field. Like let's, let's keep this experience so they can have that. Um, so yeah, I put it out there to the universe and it just started spreading. And we had over 200 donors, like from our community, like from uh, the soccer community from around um, that donated and we raised about $10,000. So it was amazing. That's so, it was amazing. Yeah. The girls have a great story. Our program is a great story. Um, 
we had a need and, and people really stepped up and we have a lot of fans in the community. Well, you definitely have fans in, in the soccer chat community. Cause I know, yeah. I forget what it was <laughs> at. I, cause I, I was keeping an eye on it when we uh, posted the, the fundraiser. I wish I could remember. Cause I, I, I knew I remembered what the number was. Cause I want to see what we could get it up to. And I feel like the number was at like, 3,400 or something like that. And by the time the soccer chat got over with, it was almost 6,000. And I was like, that's incredible. Um, and you know, now to hear that you guys have raised over $10,000, um, you're going to teach me how to fundraise that much money. That's, that's absolutely <laughs> incredible. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I was floored. I was, my goal was, I, I'm not going to lie. It was like $1,000. Like let's get half of goal or get one goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and we surpassed that. And, I'm still getting people reaching out for, you know, whether it's cleat donations or other equipment. And um, so it's, it's been amazing. Or providing snacks, food for the girls when we go to away games, which, you know, our program, I've raised money for that. Like we're, we're spending money for that. So, um, so there's like 45 of us that travel. So that gets pretty pricey. So yeah, people are just really stepping up in the community and it's been amazing. How can you know so if somebody's listening to this and they, they want to get involved and, and help out, you know, do you guys have some type of uh, link that they can go on and donate or, or how do people go about doing so? I do have a link. Um, I will send it to you guys if you want to post it. We'll put and it in the, the show description. Yeah, they can always just, you know, Facebook message me, direct message me on Facebook, Lisa Grief. Um, I'm happy to connect with people. And even if they want to talk about, you know, building a program in a community, I'm, you know, open to that as well. Absolutely. And my last question, um, you know, Nick does a lot of the research. I do very minimal research uh, when it comes to our guests, but I had a, a, a crazy question. I had to know exactly what this was. Um, and it, I, I just, so we, we, we've talked about the soccer stuff and everything. What exactly does a chief delight officer do? <laughs> Cause I see that this is your title. I just make people happy. I just make people happy. That sounds like a great title. I mean, the world needs more chief delight officers if that's what it is. So let's think about sport, life, anything. I I like to kind of talk philosophy. Like at the end of the day, like joy is what drives us. Like joy, like when my girls scored their first goal, joy was like all over their faces. When we do our best, play our best, live our best, when we're thriving, like joy is around us. So that's, that's my ultimate goal. So when I'm out training with these girls, you know, I I'm pumping up energy today. We had music on, like we were blasting speakers, girls were dancing, girls were playing. We we had a really good session, but it was like, people were just filled with joy and excited to be out there. And that's a really good session for me. So yeah, that's, (laughs) that's. Cause I was thinking that it was like a legit title at some company. And I was like, I need to know what this is. Cause if it sounds something awesome, I think I might want to do it. No, it's, it's my own company. I just, it's, you make up your own, uh, your, you own, title, your own right? titles. Oh, <laughs> man. Nick, well. Nick, what, Nick, what would your title be? Uh, I, I, I like team morale officer. I feel like I'm good. At, I feel like I'm good with like for, rah, for rah, team rah. morale. Go, go, go. <laughs> I, I'm going to go with, I think I, I think I was using this last summer. Um, the purveyor of positivity. That's even cooler than my name. I feel really bad about my name now. Well, I didn't have to think about mine because I remember like, I just, I just remember saying something about that. 
uh, <laughs> I want to say it was last summer or, or maybe the spring before where I was just like, oh yeah, purveyor of positivity. I'll take that. I'll take that. Lisa, so awesome to have you on and chat with us and, and talking about the the North girls. We were so happy to uh, uh, to see the video that that uh, the team had posted. Uh, after oh yeah, that thank you video. Yeah, that was super, super that. cool to allow us to see, you know, um, you know, who we were all donating towards and, 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 you know, who we're all now uh, big fans of. Uh, so if people are wanting to follow your team on social media or they want to get a hold of you, uh, how can people do that? You know, what's, uh, you know, what's, what's a good way for them to contact you? Oh, that's a, that's a good question. <laughs> I even think, oh my God, I should have had this down because we do have a, a Twitter account and what is it? I should you know can, that. You, guys you can take your time. I like sh- me and Sean did this show for about six months and I couldn't remember my own Twitter account. So there's no judgment zone from me here. Oh my God. You can edit this, right? No, for sure. We can edit <laughs> this part out. We, we, hmm. When people forget what their Twitter accounts is, we always leave it in because it's like, it's just like, it is funny. Like, literally it was I, Nick for six months going, I don't know what mine is. I finally changed it to something that I could remember, but for like the okay. longest time, I couldn't remember what it was. <laughs> All right. So for North, it's, you know, it's for North girl soccer. So it's at North girl sock S O C. Cause that was all it let me get. So at North girl S O C. Um, and then I, I'm always posting just on my, we don't have a Facebook page, but Lisa grief just on Facebook, you can find me or direct message me there. Um, those are probably the two main ways to get a hold of me or to follow North Girl Soccer. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Lisa, I'm so happy we were able to talk to you. Uh, and, and big shout out to the homie Ginger for getting us connected to you. Yeah, go uh, Ginger. Because like oh, soon she's as, the soon, best. soon as she sent me a DM, I was like, hey, can you share this link about these girls? And I was like, oh yeah, absolutely. And then uh, I was just like, I, later on that night, I think after we posted it, she was like, oh my gosh, that's so incredible. And I was like, Who's the coach? Let, let, let's talk to him. Uh, and, you know, you battled, uh, uh, you know, being sick last week. We're going to try to record last week. You got <laughs> sick. I'm sick this week. It's just, I, unfortunately, Nick, I think you're next for next week. You're next, Nick. No, unfortunately. Not, we, don't want, we don't want any of that. None of that smoke over here. Uh, it's but, it's uh, pretty much the snow, the wind, the rain, the cold, Iowa spring soccer. Got me. Yeah. So, and so. Nick, you being in Minnesota, it's, it's on its way. And no, I well, it was funny because we had like one of our we had our top 22 commit or like for was here on Sunday for an ID camp that we did. And it was 65 degrees. And on Monday, it snowed. And it's just like, just heads up. This is pretty common. So get used to it now. That's common. I don't want my life. But, uh, <laughs> you know, but again, you know, Lisa, thanks so much for coming on with us uh, and chatting and talking about your team. I'm so happy that. Uh, the cool, like we always talk about a soccer chat, like we get to meet all these cool people, all these cool coaches uh, and these cool kids. And I was so pumped whenever we got to learn about your team. Uh, now we've learned about them even more in depth. We've learned about you as a coach, uh, but thank you so much for coming on with us. Thanks you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. Every show that we get on, I feel like me and Sean realize how little we know about soccer and other things. And I don't think this episode was any different. And when just talking with Lisa through her experience, not only coaching at a very high level of college, but getting to the high school game and 
really helping to develop a lot of really young high school players, but high school players that aren't necessarily coming from all these, like what you would call stereotypical backgrounds of what college soccer players look like and seeing her success developing those players and getting more players out of those environments is what we really want for U.S. soccer is to give people like the areas that Lisa's coaching a chance to prove themselves because they're going to do amazing things. Right. And, and, you know, for her to overcome what her team overcomes consistently, uh, you know, like when it was told to us about the goals, it was like, this is a team that even struggles to get players on the field because of circumstances that are around them. And then to have this happen to them, um, you know, that I think really kind of tugged at, at a lot of us. And, uh, you know, that part of that area of soccer, uh, you know, these, these um, communities where soccer is like that, like what Lisa's team is like, those are the communities that I wish we could find a way from us soccer to pump more into uh, to help the game grow. Because, you know um, I went to an amazing uh, lecture in uh, Indianapolis it was uh, at the convention that year um, where Eric Winalda did a, t- a thing. Why not us? And it was basically about how like the best players in the, in, in the country, the United States, we're probably not going to find the best player ever because they're probably going to live in a place where they can't afford to play. Or, you know, they have some type of situation that prevents them from being seen uh, by, by the top brass, I guess, within U.S. soccer. And so to think of a way that somehow when we talk about like grassroots and we heard it with the super league this week, which we didn't even talk about, and I'm not, I'm not even going to give it the time of day, but you heard about how the super league was going to really hurt grassroots soccer in England. And there's got to be a way that in U S soccer, we could get more resources to these communities, like what Lisa's in her high school or the clubs that are in the same situation as her school and really help grow the game there. Because those are kids who, you know, we, we use a phrase in coaching kids who need the game more than the game needs them. Yep. And, you know, while she's got fantastic players who are going to college and whatnot, that is a, it seems to me like an area that really needs, or that's a community that really needs uh, soccer more than it, you know, kind of the other way around. But if there was a way to like give those kids more opportunities uh, and, you know, to, you you hate just hearing the stories of, you know, kids having to work to help provide for their families. And you hear this, not just in Des Moines, you hear it everywhere and you hate that for the kids, but you know, just wish that there was some way to like give kids that opportunity to not have to let that affect them. But like she says, them getting to come to practice, getting to go to a game is an hour and a half or longer that they know like, Hey, this, I'm here to do this and I can have some fun. Yeah. No. And I, I completely agree. And even though like, one of the other rants that I went on the other day was how important the game is for everyone right now. And again, we obviously have to keep things safe and stuff, but like, I, I mean, you saw the video of our team and how it like, and again, these games have no implications. Like there's no conference champion, there's no awards, no playoffs, anything like that. But just like you even watch our players, how excited they are to be in that moment I mean, it just it just shows that how important the game is to everyone across the board and to give people that opportunity as safe as we can right now to continue to give people that opportunity is really, really important. That That's absolutely true. It just, 
I, I, if, if you can go check out, Lisa's got a website. Uh, it's just Lisa grieve.com. Uh, uh, go check it out. Uh, obviously, you know, we, we've got the, the links in the bio, we've got the links to the team uh, in the bio. So make sure to go check them out, support them. I know they're leaving their fundraiser up. Uh, they, like I said, they, they have surpassed uh, the amount they were trying to get to get new goals. Um, but maybe we can keep adding more to get them even more equipment that they may need. Um, so, you know, big shout to Lisa, shout out to her girls. Uh, and, and you never know, maybe one of those North soccer players is going to be the next Cardinal at St. Mary. Maybe they're going to be another a Bearcat soon at Brescia. You never know. Um, but you know, we're, we're super happy to, to have Lisa on and be able to get her story out. Uh, just as such an amazing coach, um, Nick, it, uh, it, 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 uh, I was going to try to use a big word, but that realized I probably shouldn't. Um, people can join the conversation on Wednesday nights. If you like what you're hearing, you can join us on Wednesday nights where we have a Q one, a one, and we talk with coaches from all around the country where you guys submit questions and we all take our, our turns and answering them. Uh, then, you know, we, we do have uh, an opportunity, uh, here in a couple of weeks, uh, we'll have part four of the big D, uh, dose of D, uh, mini series where you can submit questions in about uh, emotional intelligence when it comes to coaching or maybe as a player as well. And Donna is going to do a little Q and a ask her anything with those uh, on part four, but part three is going to be coming out here next week. Uh, but Nick, if, if somebody wants to join a conversation and start one up with you, or maybe they're looking for their invite to the wedding, uh, how can they, how can they get a hold of you? At Coach Enrizzo. What about you, brother? And mine is at Coach Soderling. Uh, you know, ladies and gentlemen, we, we, we know that the number at one point was like 750. Uh, just know that that number has diminished. And if there are people who have said no uh, and you didn't get an invite, we need to know. So that way for the people who said no, we can get you an invite. Uh, so that way we can get that number uh, close to that 750 range uh, for next wedding. So um, if you haven't got an invite, let me know. I'll just send you a copy of mine and you can that's use great. that. We'll make it <laughs> And make sure to show up in overalls because that's gonna that's what's gonna make Kelly happy. Yes, one hundred. <laughs> Honestly, Kelly's on the same boat as I am. Like, as long as the wedding happens, we don't care how it happens. Hey, man, that's the only thing you got to worry about. Just make sure everything. Actually, don't even worry about things running smoothly. Just literally, like, take it segment by segment. Don't like think about the end. Take it segment by segment. And um, knowing you, I'm sure you'll have a little little twenty four ounce can beforehand um so you'll 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 be fine you'll be fine we'll make uh, it just make sure that somebody has the ring don't let them put it in like a cracker jack yeah no, I, stuff I, like I, I, my best man pat I, I don't know how responsible it is but he's in charge of it i hope that he is somebody who's responsible but we'll find out maybe I'll, maybe i'll live stream the wedding for my view um but uh you know the shows come out every uh every thursday uh, then we have our dose of D that comes out every two weeks. Uh, so make sure to check those out. Let us know what you think about those. Those are really good responses so far. Uh, and like we said, the conversation, you can join in on Twitter chat every single Wednesday night at 9 30 PM Eastern time, man, such a good episode. I, I, Lisa was awesome. I can't wait to talk to her again. Uh, whether it be on text message or, or Twitter, whatever it may be, uh, just super, super cool coach. We're glad we got to do this show, man. Again, I said man twice in the span of 30 seconds. So that's okay. Just the whole thing is like soccer chat in general, just like constantly amazes me. It's this amazing community. It's this amazing network of people getting together. We've got our college coaches group text that we have uh, people consistently asking questions uh, as things are starting to wrap up in the college game. Uh, Nick's still winning games. And I, I meant it the other day when I said, I know I make jokes about me not winning games 
uh, since 2020, just throwing it out there. But I legit am so like what you and Katie and Bianca have done in the legitimately short time that you three have been at your schools. It has been so incredible to watch, so inspiring. And like, as not just as a coach, but like as like a best friend, it just, and it thrills me to see like what the three of you have done. So like I said, I know I joke about myself, but like, I'm truly excited uh, about what you three are doing. And uh, it only gives me hope for what you guys do in the future. So if your teams are rocking it right now, holy cow, what are they going to look like next fall? <laughs> You're going to say this, we're going to lose like the next three games. So I, but I appreciate it, brother. I hope like guys. Whatever it takes, but no, thank you so much. Yeah, it's I, like, I like, gosh, it's I, that's all I got. Thank you so much. No, we'll, we'll end on that. He's Nick, and he's and he's thankful. I'm Sean. Nick, we'll catch you later. See you later, brother. <laughs>